Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, a few years ago, Forrest, who's the pastor of our Oak Creek Franklin campus, who, by the way, celebrating your first birthday next week, which is going to be pretty awesome. Can we just give them a hand anyways? I mean, that's a great significant that is. Uh, so, so, so Forrest invited me to go with him to the Packers-Steelers game at Lambeau Field. Uh, Forrest knew that uh, I, I'm a huge Steeler fan, and uh, it's kind of like Big Ben's last ride. They don't play that often, so I was like, heck yeah, I'm going to go to this. Well, on game day, I had to make a very difficult decision, or at least it seemed like it at the time, and the decision came down to this. Do I wear Steeler gear so as to identify myself as a Steeler fan going into Lambeau Field, or do I go incognito? Now, since the Steelers weren't very good at that time, it kind of, kind of was an easy decision. I decided that I wasn't going to wear any Steeler gear, but instead I packed a, a terrible towel, a Steeler terrible towel, and I put it in my coat just in case. I didn't know what just in case meant, okay? But I just stuck it in there just in case. Plus, here's the other thing. I know that Packer fans are brawlers, and they can be pretty violent at games, you know? And the last thing that I wanted was to read a headline of Pastor Takes Out, section of Lambeau Field, you know, knew it would damage the church and all that. And so I, I just brought my terrible towel. And so, I, you know, we're at, it's, the game is going on. We're in Lambeau Field, and I'm around the usual obnoxious Packer fans because they're all obnoxious, you know. And uh, so I'm there just kind of minding my own business because I'm a humble Steeler fan, and we're humble everywhere we go. And we're just sitting there. And then the Steelers all of a sudden score a touchdown, and they take the lead. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the spirit of Terry Bradshaw or Mike Tomlin that kind of landed on me. But I whip out my terrible towel. I stand up and I start whooping it up with all the other thousands of Steeler fans that are invading. We're going, woo! We're just going, we're waving, we're waving. And the people in my section, they're kind of looking at me and they're like, who's this guy? I mean, we, we didn't even know that you were a Steeler fan up to this point. Well, unfortunately... That was the last time that the terrible towel would be out and that I would celebrate because the Steelers got demolished in that game. In fact, here's actually a picture of, of, me, of me regretting that I identified myself as a Steeler fan that day. Now, identification, it is such a powerful thing when you think about it. I mean, this kind of makes football season a lot of fun. I mean, you know, you, you go to one of our locations and you'll see, uh, you'll see people mostly wearing, you know, their Packer stuff, except for this year, because you're only going to win four games. And so now nobody wears it, you know what I mean? And, uh, or they wear other Steeler or their, or, or their football team's gear, you know? And it's kind of cool because when you do, it's like you're publicly and proudly saying, uh, I'm identifying with that team. I'm a committed fan of that team. Now, I want you to think about this. Can you imagine being a truly committed fan, but not having anything that publicly shows that you are committed to that team? I think this is why weddings are so powerful, because it's the, it's the day where a couple goes public with their commitment to one another. I mean, you think about any relationship. What's the most significant day in that relationship? I mean, is it, is it the first date? The first kiss? Is it the engagement? I mean, those are all important, right? But what is the day that we celebrate every year? We celebrate 
the wedding day, the day that they went public and they said to one, one another, I'm committing to her or I am committing to him. If you're a Jesus follower or you hope to be one, throughout history, God has given us a certain practice where when we do it, it shows that I am committing myself to following Jesus. That practice, baptism. And when it comes to baptism, what I've noticed is that, that people will either uh, think too much about it. And when I say think too much about it, they kind of look at baptism and they go, well, you know, there's this high bar that you have to go over before you're baptized. And they're like, well, you know, I have to have my life all together. I have to know it all, not have any doubts. And get, there's all these reasons that they've lifted the bar so high. Or there's the other extreme and they don't think enough about it. And it's kind of like, eh, no big deal if I'm baptized or not. But baptism is one of the most significant steps that we can take as a Jesus follower. And here's why we know this. Baptism is the first thing Jesus did, and it's the last thing he commanded us to do. In fact, let's, let's start with the last part for a minute. Let me read to you the very last words of Jesus to his disciples. It's known as the Great Commission. We read it here often. He said this. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Of all the things that Jesus could have said, he could have said, I want you to go make disciples and build churches or go make disciples and feed the hungry or heal the sick, and all these things are really important. But the thing that he said was, I want you to go make disciples and what? Then I want you to baptize them. As we were planning and preparing for the fall, and for what I believe is gonna be a very, very significant season for our church, and we're gonna talk a lot more about that as we move into 2024, but I, as we were just kind of planning and preparing, I, I felt like God was saying, I want you to take a week, and I want you to just talk about baptism. Uh, years ago, we used to do this every 12 to 18 months, but then we, we shifted how we do baptism. We do them now more on a regular basis. And I felt like it was just like, nope, we're going to hit the pause button and we're going to take the week to do this. Now, here's my goal for today. There's a lot of confusion around baptism and what it means and, and all that stuff. And so I'm gonna talk about that. And then after I'm done, uh, we have some people that are already pre-signed up. Oak Creek Franklin, you already have some people that are pre-signed up as well. And we have some people pre-signed up to be baptized. But after I'm done talking about what baptism is and what it means, if you have not been baptized, I'm gonna define what that is in a little bit. If you have not been baptized and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, whether today or years ago or whatever that was, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to identify yourself publicly with Jesus by being baptized. You know, for some of you, if you just really just think about where you are in your faith journey right now, you, there's just something stirring in your heart where you're just hungry to experience more of God's power in, in your life, more of the outpouring of his spirit in your life. Baptism is the next step for you. Let me just pray for us before I kind of really kick things off. God, uh, we just, once again, we're grateful for who you are and your story and how we have been invited into your story. And so I would just pray right now that uh, we would just have open hearts and uh, God, that we would just really be open and willing to hear whatever you have to say to us and then not just hear it, but have the courage to do it as well. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Now, baptism is the first thing Jesus did and the last thing he commanded us to do. Now, we looked at the last thing. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first part. 
And the way we're gonna do that is we're gonna look through and walk through the story of Jesus' baptism because his story relates so much to our story. And uh, the way that we're gonna do that is we're gonna look at the account of Jesus' baptism in the book of Matthew. And what's great in the book of Matthew is if you start, start in the book, the first two chapters are, are a lot about Jesus' childhood, which we don't read a whole lot about. And then you move into chapter three, and then it focuses on this idea of baptism. And what's really fascinating is, is from Jesus' baptism, Jesus' story completely shifts gears and goes in another direction, which, once again, just, just highlights the importance of baptism. So here's how Matthew records Jesus' baptism. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came, and John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, preaching in the wilderness of Judah and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now that phrase kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, we'll see when Jesus comes that he talks about the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God more than any other thing that he teaches on. And here, here's what it means. The kingdom of God means this, things as God intended them to be. And so what John is saying is that through Jesus, we can experience the life that God created us or intended for us to live. But he starts off the whole thing with this word right here, repent. Repent. Now, I want everybody to say the word repent with me. Ready, go. Okay, that wasn't mad enough, okay? I want you to sound madder than that. Oak Creek Franklin, I know you'll get mad. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, that's right, because don't you when you think of that word, you think of some angry dude, and he's on the street, and he's like, repent, repent. It's kind of like turn or burn sort of thing. And so we hear that word repent, and it's just got kind of this negative connotation attached to it. But this word repent is a beautiful word. The word means this to change direction. Uh, before living here, Don and I, we lived in California. And uh, I don't know if, if this is kind of the, the case or not, but in California, you can just drive however you want. I mean, I actually think it's a beautiful thing, okay? Uh, you drive however you want, and everybody does U-turns everywhere in California. I don't know if, it, if it's legal or it's not illegal, nobody cares, but man, you just, do, you just do U-turns all the time, all that stuff. So we move here, and I'm driving here like I did there, and I'm doing U-turns all over the place. I even see a U-turn sign. I'm like, I'm sure they probably forgot to take that down, you know, that doesn't really mean anything. And so, you know, I'm doing U-turns, U-turns, U-turns. Well, there's this one day, driving, I do this U-turn, all of a sudden a cop pulls me over. And, you know, I pull over to the shoulder, and a really nice officer comes over, and he says, uh, hey, do you know why I'm pulling you over? And I said, well, no. He says, well, I'm pulling you over because you broke the law, and you did a U-turn. And here's what I said to him. I said, well, did you know, officer, that when you sin, you break God's law? And uh, do you know Jesus? And he said, I, he goes, I, I don't. I said, would you like to give your life to Jesus right here on the side of the road? And he said, I would. And so he bows down right there by the car and he prays to receive Jesus. I mean, it was just this, it was the coolest moment. And here's the really even cooler thing about it. He's going to get baptized today, but before he does, he is gonna come up and share his story with us. And so I'm gonna invite Officer Steve to come up. No, I'm just kidding, that's not what really happened. <laughs> you guys are like, oh man, it's good, this is good. No, I didn't say any of that to him, didn't say any of that to him. So what really happened, what really happened is uh, he looks at me and he says, uh, he says, okay, you know, you broke the law, you did this U-turn, and then I said, you know, I told him a story about being in California and all that stuff. He goes, okay, no big deal, and he was a nice enough, just don't do it again, and of course I have done it again. Now here's the idea, here's the idea of repent. Repent means, you know, I'm going in this direction, and then I do a U-turn, and now I repent, I'm going in God's direction. And this change in direction leads to a change of our life. And so here's John, 
And he is like, hey, do a U-turn. And through Jesus, as we're going to see in a minute, through Jesus, you can experience life as God intended or, or hoped for you to live. And then here's the response of the people. It says, people went out, went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. And here's the first thing they did, confessing their sins. Now, like repentance, confession is, is one of those church words that can tend to have just this negative connotation attached to it. But like repentance, it is actually a really good thing because confession is an opportunity for us to come clean of our need for God. It's our way of saying, hey God, I fall short. God, the solution is not me. I'm gonna admit my need for you. And here's the thing, there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom because the truth sets us free and the, and the truth is we've all tried to change ourselves and it hasn't worked. There's a freedom in it because God is faithful and just and he's gonna forgive us. And there's just a freedom when we experience God's forgiveness in our life. And here's the other thing about confession that, that many of us don't realize. We think confession is for God. It's like, I'm doing this for God. Here's the thing, God already knows, okay? Confession isn't for God. Confession is for us. And so they started by confessing their sins. And then if we go back, it says, here, here's what they did next. They were baptized by him, being John, in the Jordan River. And that word baptized comes from the Greek word this, baptizo. And baptizo means this, it means to immerse, to submerge, or wash something clean with water. It's this idea of taking something and sticking it completely under the water and then pulling it out of the water. What's interesting is, is that this idea of, of baptizo uh, didn't start as a religious term, it was actually used by the Greeks to describe housework. And for example, uh, when Greek women did laundry, what they would do is they would take their dirty laundry and then they would just completely immerse their dirty clothes under the water and then they would pull them out and then they'd be completely clean. And so this idea was dirty, underwater, clean. And it wasn't until uh, Jewish culture that they put the religious spin on this whole idea of baptism. And so what would happen is, is they would, they would fill these large bathing tanks of water called mikvahs. Here's a picture of a mikvah actually. And what they would do is they would go and they would walk down those steps and they go completely under the water before they went to temple. And so the idea was, and I want you to think about this, they couldn't go to temple unless they baptized themselves in a mikvah. So I want you to imagine, okay, you can't come to church today unless you've taken a shower or a bath. Can you imagine that? You know, some of you are like, oh, yeah, I'm not coming to church anymore. Uh, but you know, so this is what they would do is that they would go into the water and the idea was is that they were unclean before God and then they would come out and then they would be clean before God. So then they could go to temple. And then, in Je and then during Jesus's time, he took this form of baptism and used it as a way for Greeks to convert to Judaism. It was their way of saying, now I identify myself as Jewish. I'm gonna worship the God of Israel. And so you see this, and it's kind of this cool picture of this, of this, this message that John gives, people confessing they're being baptized and when you read the, the book, of, book of Luke, who describes it in more detail, he says droves and droves of people responded. And some of those people were tax collectors and prostitutes, people that were outcasts or on the outside when it came in with God. And they got baptized as a way of saying, I'm identifying myself with John's message. Now, people on the outside, they're kind of watching all this and these droves of people are, are getting baptized and they're kind of watching this and they're going, man, this is incredible. And then they started to talk about John and they're going like, hey, maybe this dude is the guy that God is sending to us. Maybe he's the Messiah. 
And John realizes this and he hears this. And so here's how John responds to this. He says this. He says, I baptize with water for repentance. There's our word again. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, I would bet that most of us have been to a concert of some kind. And uh, in many of those concerts, there was an opening band. Uh, and, and let's be honest, I know there's always exceptions, okay? And I know you have exceptions. But for the most part, the opening band stinks. I mean, let's just be honest. I, a couple years ago, I was, at, uh, I was at a Tesla concert, one of my favorite bands growing up and still is, to be honest with you. And uh, I didn't know that there was an opening band because they didn't advertise it. And they had this opening band. I can't even see, say the name in church, okay? Because that's the, the name was. And they were worse than their name and how they played. And it was like, good Lord, when is this? I mean, I just prayed that they'd be out of here because they just were awful, you know? And it's kind of like, and then they always say this. They always say like, hey, we're just going to play a few more songs. And you're like, wah, 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 you know, inside, you know, you're just kind of wanting it to be done. Because why? I didn't come for the opener. I came for the headliner. And John is saying, hey, I'm just the opening band in this whole thing. The headliner is coming. And then the headliner finally arrives. And he, here's what he says. He says, then Jesus, who's the headliner, came from Galilee to the Jordan. And, and understand, uh, from Galilee to the Jordan, it wasn't just a walk down the street. Jesus walked 60 miles to be baptized, or 140,000 steps for those of you who are keeping track at home. And so he walked a long way. And here's the thing about the Jordan. The Jordan was one of the most public places in that entire region. And it says, so then Jesus came from the Jordan, from Galilee to the Jordan, to be baptized by John. Which raises the question, why would Jesus get baptized? I mean, it's not like he needed to have any sins forgiven. In fact, even John is realizing this whole thing. And so he says, but John tried to, John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? And he's like, Jesus, let's switch spots, man. Because listen, you know, I need you to do this for me. But then listen to what Jesus, how he responds. He says this, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So why did Jesus get baptized? Because Jesus was identifying with you and he was identifying with me. It's the same reason that he died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross for his sins. He died on the, he died on the cross for our sins. And when he waded into the, the waters of baptism, he wasn't doing it out of his need. He was doing it for our need. And so we see when Jesus gets baptized, he is identifying himself with all of sinful humanity. I want you to think about this for a minute. Try to picture kind of this whole scene where you just got thousands and thousands of people and, uh, at, at Jesus' baptism. And I mean, there, there are tax collectors and prostitutes and there's sinners and there's, there's child abusers and addicts and adulterers. Uh, there's young people, there's old people, there's men, there's women, uh, there's rich people, there's poor people. Uh, there's people who would say, man, I'm a good person type of people. There's religious leaders that are there and they're all getting baptized out of their need to. And then here is the perfect son of God in front of thousands of people. He walks down the steps and he goes into the water and he gets baptized. And as he's doing it, it's his way of saying, I'm identifying with you and you and you and you and you. Just imagine the sheer humility of Jesus. And then he says, all right, I want you to follow my example. And as you do it, you are going to identify with me because baptism is all about identification. And then Jesus gets baptized. 
and look at what happens at his baptism. It is such a powerful scene. It says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. In other words, there's an extra outpouring of the Holy Spirit on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And it's at Jesus' baptism that we get our first full glimpse of the full face of God. It's what Christians later called the Trinity, God in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's why when we baptize people, we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful picture of the Godhead. And we see that the Father opens up heaven and he speaks these powerful words of affirmation over Jesus. And he said, hey, there's my son. There's my son. I am so proud. I am so pleased with him. Now, just, I want to ask you this. Can you imagine, okay, whether you're a religious person or not, can you just imagine just sensing God speak those words over you? It's kind of like, oh, oh hey, 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 there's my son, Steve. Oh, look at him. Look at him. I'm so, I just love to watch him. He just brings a smile to my face. Hey, do you see my daughter, Rachel, over here? Oh, man, she is she is so valuable. She is so beautiful. Man, I, she just brings such joy to my life. I'm so proud of her. And yet this is exactly what the father does at his son's baptism. I've talked to hundreds of people after they've gotten baptized, and uh, they'll, they'll talk about just, you know, just how powerful of an experience it was. And I think, I can't prove this, okay? I, I think a part of that is they are just really sensing God the father saying to him, there's my son, there's my daughter. I am so pleased with him. It's why baptism is such a powerful thing. Because when we're baptized, we are in the dead center of God's will. It's why I have never seen a, a, a baptism picture where someone is frowning. They are always smiling. Baptism, it's the first thing Jesus did. And it's the last thing he commanded us to do. Now, I realize, as you talk about a topic like baptism, that there are all, because of our different backgrounds and experiences, there are all sorts of questions that we have about them. And so what I want to do is I just want to end my time by just talking about, about three or four of the main ones, and then we're going to make the invitation for all of us to take that step if we haven't done it. Here, here's the first one. This is a big one. What if I was baptized as an infant? Is that the same thing? I think this is such a great and important question. And here's the short answer. It's not the same thing. See, we don't see infant baptism happen at all in the Bible. And what we see from infant baptism is it's not a biblical practice. It's more of a church tradition. Now, please hear me on this. I grew up with this tradition, okay? So there's no guilt or shame attached here. Doesn't mean that you're a second-class Jesus follower if, if this is your tradition. But what we see time and time again in the Bible is we see people that were baptized, they made their own decision to be baptized. Uh, let me just think about this way. If you were baptized as an infant, what do you remember about that day? Nothing. It's because someone else made the choice or the decision for you. But baptism means you choose. You choose and decide to go public by saying, I'm identifying myself with Jesus. I'm deciding. And so here's the thing. If you decide to get baptized, it is in no way diminishing what your parents or grandparents did for you. In fact, I always tell people you should go to them and you should go, thank you. 
because your desire for me, it has now been fulfilled. I'm now choosing to follow Jesus. Now, if you, you were baptized as an infant and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but you never made the decision to go public with your faith, that's your next step. Here's, here's another question. I think this now has become the most common question I get, and it's this. This isn't some form. What if I'm not ready because? And it's usually because my life is a mess, even though they won't say that. Well, it's because I'm not perfect, you know, and I'm not at this, at this certain place. Or because I still have doubts, or because I don't know enough. Listen, the very fact that your life is a mess, or that you don't know enough, or you have doubts, is the reason you should be baptized. Because baptism is acknowledging that we don't have it all together, and that we really do need God, that we are submitting to him and his, the work of his spirit in our life. You see, baptism isn't about our readiness. It's about our willingness to acknowledge our need for God. Or I always tell people this, we think baptism is about our deal. It's not. Baptism is about God's work, not our work. Now, for, for some of us, I think we use the, well, I'm not ready because, and you can kind of fill in the blank. I, I think for, for many of us, especially men, okay, because I am one and we love this, I think they use this as an excuse to stay in control of things. And so it's like, as long as I have that line there, then you know what, I'm gonna hold on to this thing. It's on my terms, it's not God's terms. Listen, baptism isn't about control. It's about surrender. And listen, if you feel like your life is that much of a mess, when we baptize you, just tell us and we'll hold you under that water longer until it starts to bubble, okay? And then you'll come out and you'll be a different person. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. You think I'm kidding. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, here's a third question. What if I have family and friends that I, that I want to see it, but they aren't here? Well, once again, another good question. And I would say this, baptism isn't about you and your family. It's between God and you. And so if, if you haven't taken that step, don't delay, do it today. And then the, the fourth and final one is this, do I have to? Do I have to? And I, I'll just be honest with you. I, I get some version of this a lot. And here's the thing, I don't understand the question. As a follower of Jesus, we look to Jesus and we say, hey, what you say and do, I do. The answer is always yes. And if Jesus did it and he commanded us to do it, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I don't care when it was, why would you not do the very first thing he has asked you to do? One of the things I love about baptism is every baptism, there's a story behind it. And I wanna invite you to hear Steve's story. Um, yeah, so right after his funeral, I had gone straight to detox. Um, got out of detox, actually, and then been clean since. Well, I've been seven months clean today, actually. <laughs> so uh, that's a big deal. So yeah, I'm Steve. Um, I started coming to the Ridge about seven months ago. Uh, I learned about the place from my sister. And, uh, we've been coming ever since. My addiction started at a young age. Um, I work. I've been working on houses my whole life. I fell off a roof at a young age, 17 years old. I had to get pins and plates in both my wrists. I got prescribed pain medication, which eventually turned to heroin. And I was using daily for 20 years. So, you know, I lost everything, my relationships with my family, you know, my cars, my jobs, and just like, I've been 
at rock bottom, it was still at that point, it wasn't enough to make me quit. <laughs> For me getting high, I just, you know, I pretty much was high from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep, seven days a week. <laughs> so, but they, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's time, you know, where I'm like, I'm getting older, you know, I don't want to be 50, 60, you know, living on the street, you know, addicted to drugs, you know, something's got to change. And then, you know, like I said, I have had like, five to seven attempts before, you know, now at getting clean. So, but I never, like, started going to church or, you know, I was like, I was different. I was more serious about it this time, you know, with the death of my friend. And just, I don't know, hit hit home somewhere, you know, something different hit me a different way this time. He died from, you know, the drug that, you know, I was addicted to and, you know, we, me and my sister, they're at the casket, and she's like, I can't, you know, bury another brother. And it's just, that was kind of the pushing point for me, you know, and I was just like, enough is enough. And I've had multiple attempts at it before, and just this time was different. Um, turning point for me was when I just felt like God, you know, was trying to save my life through, you know, the death of my friend. So that made me want to follow God more. Uh, leading up to the baptism, I mean, I, I was nervous, but comfortable too. I mean, it was going to be at Pastor Forrest's house, so we were comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, it was a big deal to, you know, have my sister baptize me. It was a big deal for her. It was a big deal for me, you know. And it was just, it was a nice feeling, you know. It was an overwhelming feeling. <laughs> so my identity before getting baptized, I, I really didn't have an identity. Like, I didn't. I forgot who I was, I didn't know who I was, I didn't know where I wanted to go at, at that point. And after being baptized, I feel like I got a purpose and, you know, uh, a will to want to do better. I just feel like I'm just more, as a person in general, more passionate, more kind, giving, honest, <laughs> than I was, you know, as a user. Past few months, it's felt weird because I've never prayed before until recently, you know, like the last couple months. But as time's going on, it's starting to feel more normal. He's helping me each day, you know, stay clean. Each day, you know, it's getting easier for me to stay clean. And I have, you know, urges and to get high and, you know, more to do the right thing, I guess. You know, my life, uh, in a downroad spiral for a long time and it was hard to gain control back and now I'm seven months clean today. You know, uh, one of the things that's cool about Steve's story is, you know, you talk about the baptism part and he goes, man, it was a big deal for me, it's a big deal for them and just kind of the ripple effect that's had. And then since then, his, his story just kind of changes and the trajectory of it begins to take steps with God and open to it and all that stuff. And baptism was the real breakthrough for him. So here's what's going to happen in a minute. I'm going to have everybody stand. And uh, we're going to say a statement of faith together. And what a statement of faith together is just a statement that I've crafted that, that just says, hey, I, I'm following Jesus. And for some of you, uh, you're going to make that statement and it's going to be the very first time you've made that statement because you're going to go, I, I actually really believe that now. 
and you're gonna make the decision today to follow Jesus. Praise God for that. And for those of you, you already have, and you're gonna be like, okay, this, you're just repeating that and all that stuff. Now, if you don't believe that, please, you don't have to say that. We wouldn't have you say anything that you don't believe. But then after I'm done with the statement, I'm gonna say a prayer. And if you have not chosen, as you've made a decision to follow Jesus, whether today or sometime uh, in, in your past, you haven't been baptized in your decision, we're gonna encourage you to then head out of the rows and Oak Creek Franklin, same thing, head to the doors and then we've got everything taken care of for you. Clothes, towels, changing areas, all that stuff. We even got your kids taken care of. If they're in Ridge Kids right now, you just tell someone they're gonna be taken care of. No, not for the whole night, okay? Not for that. Uh, but if you want them in during that time, you tell that person that as well on our team and they'll make sure that they're there for that. But we're gonna go, no. Uh, it's the first thing Jesus did and the last thing he commanded us to do. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we just do what he says. And so I'm gonna put up the statement of faith here and I'm just gonna break it down. Here's a statement of faith. It says, I believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. And when we say I believe, it isn't I don't have doubts or I got it all figured out or have all the answers. It just means I, I, I'm leaning into, I'm literally trusting in Jesus and what he's done for me. And I believe that God sent him for me and then and i surrender in other words i defer i defer to him in these two areas then as my lord in other words there's already someone lord of your life it could be you it could be a thing it could be a person whatever that is you are following something or someone and now what you're choosing to do is go no no i'm i'm putting jesus in that spot and then as savior in other words we all have a sin issue we have a sin gap and you're what we're saying is i can't solve that I trust that Jesus did. And so if you believe that, you're gonna say that. So I'm gonna have everybody stand. Oak Creek Flank, I want everybody stand. And we're gonna say this together. All right, here we go, ready, go. I believe that Jesus is the son of the living God and I surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. I'm gonna pray for us. And if that's you and you know God's tugging, 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 you can start heading out now if you'd like. But I'm gonna pray for us. And then you can head out after that if you'd like as well. Father, um, I know that as we just kind of looked at your story and, uh, and we see you doing this publicly in front of thousands of people, just the humility of that. And now you go, okay, if you're gonna follow me, I want you to follow my example and go public with identifying yourself with me. What a powerful, powerful thing that is in our life. And God, I pray for each person who believes that maybe today for the very first time and the call, the command, the surrender part is to go, I'm gonna do this. And God, all the other questions and obstacles and fears, control issues would be removed. And we'd have the courage to say, I'm in, I'm doing this today. I'm doing what you've asked me to do. And so Father, may that happen here. May that happen at Oak Creek Franklin. And God, uh, the beautiful thing is, is that when we do this, you talk about there being a party in heaven, a celebration in heaven. And I think a part of that was you go, there's my son, there's my daughter. Man, I'm so proud of them for taking the step and going public. God, may that happen here. And may that happen in Oak Creek, Franklin. May that happen online. God, may we just see a quote unquote revival of baptisms happen here at a church. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.